Hello, and welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work for social justice. Each week, we bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want interdependent study to be a space where we're always learning with one another, and mostly we live up to that uh, desire. Um, Damien, you're up this week. What are you bringing to the table today? I like that. Very good. Uh, Well, as you know, I brought an article to the table for us today. Mm -hmm. The article was called Republicans in Midterm Races are embracing anti-trans rhetoric like never before. They sure are. Yes. Um, And it was written by Orion Rumler and published by The 19th, which uh, I mentioned this last week. It's this independent nonprofit newsroom uh, that does some reporting on political, gender, and policy issues across the country. And I actually poked around their website a bit and, and through some of their other articles, and it looks like they're doing some really important reporting uh, and journalism work. So, um, and and in sort of this avenue of trying to advance human rights and mm-hmm. and racial and gender equity issues in our society through their reporting. So I'm super excited to just like keep up with their work, bookmark their, their website and, mm-hmm. and, and see where it goes. But this article in particular really highlights how Republicans in general, but certainly Republican candidates, really dug into using anti-trans rhetoric during the midterm election season more than in any other year in an election cycle in the past. And, you know, what the implications could be and and have been, you know, certainly since we're, we're, we're past the midterms for the most part at this point, um, as a as a result of that language, that rhetoric, that um, the television ads that were out mm-hmm. there, right, mm-hmm. and all of this sort of being so public and so widespread across the country, and so um, I think, and I know you agree with this, like there's lots for us to talk about here, and there's lots that's so concerning and troubling uh, about this rhetoric and and how it's being used and how it's being spewed out there, and yeah. um, and the the impact and as I said the implications of it so um, yeah I, I enjoyed reading this article I'm excited to chat with you about it um, what did you think where do you want to start yeah um, I really appreciated this article especially the ways that they're pointing out um, how the gender culture war is showing up in electoral politics yeah um, in a big way as specifically anti-trans rhetoric right and I, right. I think a lot of this um is is another way that conservatives view gender um, in this very rigid kind of structure. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, they're ascribing specific roles and characteristics to men and women and chastising anything that's outside of, of that specific, again, very narrow and rigid concept of gender that they have. Right. Uh, and I think this is also a real example of how culture wars work, too. Mm. Um you know, they're taking specific tragedies. That was one of the things shared was um, that's, that somebody had um, died um, and uh, turning that tragedy into a broader narrative of, as if this is the only story. Absolutely. Like this, this, is how, this is how it works for everybody. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so making it sound like what's hap- this is what's happening to everyone everywhere. Um, and 
uh, another way it happens is taking pieces of information uh, and warping them into something that they aren't, uh, and then extrapolating that and then applying that to like, look at what uh, one of the ads was like, look at what um, this Democratic senator and and, and Joe Biden want to do mm. to your kids. Yep. Um, and yeah, and so I think this article is doing some really great work to highlight how this is happening in the campaigns of elected officials um, across the country. Um, because I think it's it's indicative of something um, that's really insidious and really dangerous wow, yeah. uh, for trans people in in uh, the country. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that perspective. I think one of the things that stood out to me as you were talking about this was just this idea of, um, right, you talk about sort of this rigid view on gender, this rigid view, really for me, what it's about is humanity, right? Like mm. it's sort of absolutely limiting uh, and eliminating people's humanity, right? Yeah. Um, that's what this rhetoric is doing. That's what these folks are doing in in these positions of power um, and what they're doing as a part of their, their campaign. So yeah, I think um, there's definitely a lot that this piece highlighted around um, the culture war that's, mm. that's happening. Um, so that's so true. I appreciate that. Um, so that's a good piece. I also think one of the other things that stood out to me from this piece, um, was just the number of instances of this hateful rhetoric being yeah. used by mm -hmm. candidates during the, the midterm election cycle and just in general, right? Like, I think it like really disturbed me as I kept reading <laughs> this piece and, like part of that discussed, I think, is the fact that there was apparently so much of, of it out there that I just didn't know about and just didn't hear about. Right. It's being mm -hmm. it was being done by candidates in states far away from here. Right. That I'm and in races that I'm often not paying attention to. Right. But yep. I think this, you know, and, and for better or for worse. Right. Um, but this article really laid out so many examples of speeches and interviews and campaign ads and even like campaign mailings, like things that are actually printed and yeah. sent out. Yep. Um, and, 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 and so on, like across the country that use this hateful and dangerous rhetoric. And the other thing that was so sort of mind blowing to me was there's a lot of also just like misinformation. And as you sort of referenced, like blatant lies about mm -hmm. LGBTQ plus people, um, or the necessity for proper health care for these folks, right? In mm -hmm. in in one example, or um, you know, and and they pushed outright anti-trans legislation um, and asked people to support that, right? To support them and their candidacy and to support sort of that um, that goal, right? Um, and I guess it just it really blew my mind to just see all of that in play, right? To click on some of the links and watch some of the interviews of these candidates and the things that they said and, 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 and just their boldness in which they asked for support, um, with that on their ticket. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so it, it really, it, it, it was concerning. It was disturbing, right? It was disgusting to see all of that and to see that that's happening in our society today, right? When we think about the humanity of people and the work we're trying to do and um, just the fact that, you know, real people are impacted by this language, right? This mm -hmm. rhetoric, right? And and I can't imagine what it's doing. I mean, I can't imagine um, what it's doing to their feelings of safety, right? Their mental, their physical, their emotional health, right? They're just their overall well-being you know yeah um yeah i mean i think i can imagine it and it's hard to also fathom like what it actually 
feels, feels like, like, like what, it, what is that, that, um, that feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so sort of talking about that and like the ways that this is spreading or, uh, you know, the ways that it's actually being applied like to policy. Mm. Um, one of the things that they point out, um, is that it's likely that whether or not this, um, tactic, this strategy that the conservatives have um, in their elections have any traction with voters, um, whether or not that happens, whether or not this this gains them voters, that's going to continue, likely. Mm, um, right. Likely will continue. Yeah. Um, so as an example, they pointed out the record number of bills that have been introduced in state legislatures across the country. Um, so these have grown, um, these anti-trans bills specifically, have grown um, over the years from 19 in 2018, 25 in 2019, 60 in 2020, 131 in 2021, and 150 in 2022. Wow. So far. Um, so far, yeah. And I know this is something I think we talked about before. We have. Um, but the trend is continuing. Um, and so I think it's important to continue to talk about it. Yes. Uh, and I... So 150 in 2022, that doesn't include um, the directives from governors that aren't aren't legislative bills. Um, And those don't need to be voted on by legislatures. Um, So Greg Abbott in Texas or Ron DeSantis in Florida advising against uh, or prohibiting gender-affirming care from state agencies doesn't have to be like is not included in that list and is going to have a huge impact on people. Right. And Um, we've seen that impact, right? We've read other things mm -hmm. and seen what that does to medical professionals in that moment and the decisions that they have to make in the moment of whether or not they're going to provide care or not. Right. I mean, that's just dangerous. Yep. Yeah. Um, Especially just to take it all away from somebody who's been already receiving that care. Yes. Oh my goodness. um, Yes. Yeah. Um, and so there's a Washington Post article that was linked in this article from 19th News. Um, and so to quote from that article, it says, for trans rights supporters among the most alarming types of laws to gain ground in the last two years are gender-affirming care restrictions for trans youth. Mm. These bills criminalize doctors who provide highly individualized form of health care, which can uh, include medical interventions such as puberty puberty blockers and hormone therapy. Uh, they could also punish parents for supporting their kids as they seek treatment. Wow. Uh, and so this is the, uh, you know, the really, I think dangerous part is criminalizing that those choices yes. of health, healthcare and, and what it looks like and, and why they're calling things, um, gender experiments and really trying to, um, drive that wedge, um, between, you know, attempting to understand somebody's experience and just assuming that you know what it means or that they're somehow, um, you know, not right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And the trend is growing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's wild to see those numbers, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we've talked about it before, but to think about, sort of the exponential growth of that is you said less than 20 just four years ago to now over 150 like yeah that's wild right mm-hmm. like um and and i appreciate that extra analysis and the sort of naming of what governors can do right what yeah. what certain certain avenues that elected officials can take to sort of circumvent <laughs> right um legislation um 
to sort of enact this harmful enact this harmful rhetoric, like to sort of yeah. put it in play, right? And um, yeah, and I think that's one of the things I sort of haven't thought of, and you said it so brilliantly, right? This piece around, if you are a trans person sort of, ex, you know, getting healthcare and then all of a sudden it is taken away from you, like mm-hmm. the the danger that exists there um, is terrible, is yeah. terrible, um, absolutely, yeah. So I, I appreciate that, I think, it speaks to something that I was thinking about and I, I know is named in this piece is um, is how important representation is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. right? Right, And I mean that by representation within our elected officials, right? Like, so the article says this, and I'm going to quote it. It says, LGBTQ plus representation among those running for office is growing. Mm-hmm. A record number of transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming candidates ran this year, according to the Victory Fund, and LGBTQ plus candidates ran in all 50 states for the first time, mm-hmm. end quote, right? And so that's incredible to me, right? All 50 states, like the yep. entire country, we've got these folks running, um, and, you know, as certainly as we talk about states like Texas and Florida, right, and the things that they're doing, I mean, it's it's amazing to see it, right, because we know what's happening in these states. So um, it's awesome to see that. And and I know that, you know, at this point, once this uh, episode is released, we're, we're very much so on the other side of the midterms. I know we're still waiting for some, what do you call those, runoffs and yep. results yep. and all of that. But we know that a good number of those folks actually won their, their races, which is mm-hmm. incredible. And... And all of this is so important for so many reasons, right? You know, the the other thing that I pulled out from this article is a quote from Jeff Wachowski, uh, who is the campaign director over at the Human Rights Campaign. Uh, he says this, quote, that representation matters in the face of these attacks to have somebody on the floor of the chamber where these bills are being debated and to be able to speak to them from their own personal perspective is incredibly powerful. And that gives me hope, he says. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I think, you know, I said this earlier, right, like, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine what folks feel like, but. I can slightly, right? Because if you hold a marginalized identity, you can understand in in some way, right? Like what these attacks do, how they impact you, right? Uh, How, what this rhetoric can do, right? And so Mm -hmm. I can understand how important it is because it matters to me too and appreciate what Jeff is saying here and how important it is to see yourself represented in the places and spaces that have an impact on your life, right? On your quality of life, right? Um, And so- I don't know. I don't know if this is being hopeful, right? If this is glass half full, if this being what is that optimistic, right? Like mm-hmm. this idea of if we get more folks in power um, and elected, um, maybe one day we'll we'll see the end of some of this rhetoric, right? Um, but who knows? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um, <laughs> let's hope. I, and I, I mean, uh, I think it's it's great that there are. Um, more folks who are running um, for positions, um, just just um, sort of broadly. I think that's, I don't know, that's better. I think having our, um, that's better for all of us is having um, those positions available to more people. Yes. It's, just, it's just better for all of us. Absolutely. Um, to, going back to, I guess, this culture war idea, mm. um, I think this whole process of rhetoric that they've included in the in the midterm elections um is i think about knee-jerk reactions from the conservative movement in this country okay um you know they want us to be frightened of stuff so they can manipulate us 
all into believing that they're the only ones who can protect us from this danger. Um, so this is this is a way that it it happens here uh, in this particular scenario. But yes. you can also think about Trump um, claiming that he's the only one who sees X Y Z problem and. Um, he's the only one therefore who can fix it because he's right. the only one who gets it. Um, but they make up stuff like the Democrats want to perform surgeries on kids. And if you vote for them, they'll stop this from happening. Um, all of which is, you know, flat out wrong or very severely embellished. Yes. Um, you know, to the point of it being fictional. Yes. Uh, and you know, to bring it back to your point about the record number of people, uh, LGBT Q plus folks who are running for office, I think that's great because it means that there are some public figures, right, as you said, who are going to be able to speak from the floor, right. be able to challenge those narratives to bolster the chorus of voices who are trying to shout out the truth um, that this stuff isn't true. And one example I can think of is actually Pete Buttigieg, who yeah. um, there's a clip of him in a, in a bigger interview um, talking about, like, this is how... They don't have anything to run on. Like, this is what Republicans are doing. Yes. Um, is that they're trying to scare us and they're picking on the people who they feel like they could most easily pick on, um, which right now are trans people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, my my last piece is like how much of this is all just like knee jerk reactions to yeah. like the ways that we have uh, in in small, small steps, baby steps um, sort of progressed. Um as a country, and, and they want it all to be, come back. Um, Absolutely. Run backwards in the other way. Absolutely. Well, and the ways in which that has made its way, that dangerous rhetoric has made its way all the way to the White House, right? When yeah. you reference someone like Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, we've got to continue to have these kinds of conversations, continue to get more folks in power who uh, hold these identities, right? And who actually care about the people in which they represent, um, right? To, to get us to the place that we need to be. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I appreciate that. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to application, right? And let's talk about how we are going to use this article in our conversation today, sort of moving forward. Um, I think one of the things that this article and certainly our, our conversation uh, about hurtful and dangerous rhetoric reminds me of and, and compels me to do is just to continue to speak up, you know, yeah. whenever I hear or see hurtful language being used, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think we all hopefully feel compelled to do that, right? We all have to do that. Certainly when it's difficult, right? And even when it's in the company of family or friends or or, or loved ones, right? right? We, we, we just have to name and address when things are just wrong, right? Mm. Um, because we've seen how this stuff can spread, right? So, you know, I think about the fact that we are entering Thanksgiving season, right? And I know that folks engage with family and, you know, what does that mean to, to at those, at those dinner tables <laughs> over Thanksgiving? What does it mean to address, you know, when something is wrong? Mm. Um, so that's, that's sort of one piece of application. I think something else I've been thinking about that's connected to, to that is the importance of just our continued learning, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think in the context of this article, when it comes to LGBTQ plus people and issues, trans people and issues, right? I think, I think we see that folks have gaps in their knowledge and understanding of the lived experiences and, and proper language, right? And um, and so it just highlights for me the, the necessity to continue to to learn, right? That we all need to do, right? So, mm -hmm. um, what about you? 
Yeah. Um, my application this week is, is, um, is more about how this is a process of manipulation. Mm. And so, um, you know, when we can recognize it here, we can, we can see how it's, how it's happening. Um, and maybe, interrupt it um and so many times these as an example these anti-trans bills are um touted as being about protecting women's sports uh, yes but there's no funding push from these conservatives for women's sports so it's not actually about that yeah um and i mentioned this earlier and i've said something like it on the podcast a few times but you know this culture war nonsense is here to keep us focused on things that scare us and distract us from the fact that the conservative movement in this country has no vision for a future in the U.S. There it is. Their <laughs> vision is firmly secured in the warped history. They force us to learn in schools. They have no vision on healthcare other than good luck, don't get sick. Yep. They have no plan for addressing a recession. They have nothing but wedge issues and boogeymen um, that they think will try to drive us apart from each other. Um, based on being afraid of one another. Um, and I think that that manipulation is powerful. Yes. Yes. Um, mm. But I think if we are, you know, reaching out to people and, and, um, and I, I think that's, you know, collectively, like, yes, particularly this, like we're talking about anti-trans rhetoric, like myself as a cis person um, has to recognize how that's happening and then also be able to speak up when it's my turn to speak up and yeah. say like, yeah, that's not, that's not how we're doing this. Um, and point out the ways that that happens. Um, and yeah, so, um, we have to see that that manipulation is happening when it's happening and then try to be there for one another to build the world we need. My man. I love it when our application sort of builds off of mm -hmm. each other there. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, Thank you for calling it out, calling mm. it the way that it is. I see it. I love yeah. it. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, what do we want to do for homework here? Um, you know, what do we want to do when we leave the table today? I think, you know, one of the things I want to do, and it's, you know, directly talk, uh, connected to what we've just talked about in application, is just to continue to learn about mm -hmm. these issues and experiences because, you know, uh, this idea of our shared humanity is all we have. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that learning work has to continue for me. And I want to do that. Um, and I said this sort of at the top or I alluded to this at the top, but I, I enjoyed this article. I said I poked around on their website, the 19th website. Um, I enjoyed their reporting. And so I want to keep read some more of their stuff and um, and they're reporting on some of some really important issues that are that impact all of us. And so mm -hmm. um, I've already bookmarked their website and want to keep up with what they're reporting on. And, and who knows, maybe we'll bring another article from them to the table here yeah. soon. Yeah. Cool. Uh, how about you? I mean, very similar. My article is based on this rhetoric. Like, actually read the stories of trans people. Yes. Um, too much of this rhetoric is based on total ignorance of trans people and, and their experiences. Um, it's based on assumptions and, and fear of the un unknown. Um, so seeking out trans stories written by trans people and learning more about what this experience means to them. Um, you know, I think learn, listen for the buzzwords that conservatives use mm. that are designed to scare us Yeah, uh, and learn what those things actually mean. So, um, you know, in this, they talk about puberty, puberty blockers, which I think is a big, um, 
scare word, a buzzword. It's a buzzword, buzzword that they use to scare us. Yes. Um, I think that that's something to to you know learn more about and and actually read what it is, what it does, what like you know instead of just assuming that this person who wants you to vote for them because they want you to be scared of trans people is telling you the truth about what it is that they do. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's uh, my homework is very general, but like no, you know, but it's learn good. learn and, and read um, from trans people. Absolutely. Well, and I think. I, I want to do that too, obviously. And so I think we could see if, you know, as we continue to do some exploration work and find those pieces, I mean, maybe that's something we can bring to the table here yeah. too, for sure. I love it. Um, all right, my friend, you're up next time. Mm-hmm. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Yeah, um, I'm bringing an article from The Atlantic mm-hmm. uh, written by Clint Smith. Oh, nice. Um, it's called How Germany Remembers the Holocaust. Whoa. Um, and so he has shared on... Um, the failing bird app um, <laughs> and a couple of threads I cannot. Um, that as he was writing his book, how the word was passed, which is about um, enslavement. Um, he often thought about um, Germany mm-hmm. and the sort of reputation that Germany has for actually um, remembering what it is that they've done to the Jewish people. And, um, creating memorials for that. Um, And so he spent a year, I believe, traveling through Germany and I think a couple other places in Europe um, to visit memorials to um, the Jewish people and, and the, you know, other people who were targeted by, um, by the Nazi uh, regime uh, in Germany to understand how it is that they are remembering, um, this genocide um and i'll add one of the first targets of the nazis um was a uh gender and sexuality research library Mm -hmm. um and they destroyed a lot of um research done on the experiences of trans people so there's a connection here in, in a broad sense as well yeah um to this week but um yeah so i i haven't haven't read it yet but um you know, it looks like a really uh, amazing piece. And, um, you know, he also has shared this is not uh, meant to be a um, definitive sort of uh, piece on how this happens. Yep. It's his own kind of reflection yep. on how that happens and how it can be applied to um, what it is that we do and, and really don't do in the U.S. Mm. to... Uh, remember the violence that we have visited on Papuan people as a as a country as a society. Wow. Uh, well, th- that sounds fascinating it, for lots of reasons. Uh, but certainly, when you introduce this to me, I think I share with you I um, have a lot of respect for Clint Smith and the work that mm-hmm. he does. And um, it, this sounds like it's going to be a potentially a heavy piece for us. Yeah. Uh, but I I'm so excited to think about the connections. I mean, it sounds like he's done some of this work and, but also to see that some of the connections that we can make to um, what we're seeing and experiencing here in this country now and yeah. how it connects to the work that we're trying to do. So yeah. I, I can't wait. 
I cannot wait. Uh, very good. All right. Well, with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and, and for listening to this podcast we call Interdependent Study. Mm. You know what we want you to do, but in case you've forgotten, uh, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with everyone you know, follow us on the socials, even that failing bird app. Oh my God, that got me. Uh, and sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Yes. Thank you for listening. And look, I'm just saying it would have been a lot more fun to take a pile of 43 billion dollars and light it on fire <sighs> but you know here we are yeah. um so remember it's not about us but it is about us and we'll talk to you next week <laughs>